Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your hosts, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Welcome to Ditch the Suits podcast. Steve Campbell here with you. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series, three parts on the cold truth about investing today. The market has been on a downturn for the last few months, and a lot of investors are straight up nervous. Maybe you've grown concerned about your own investments as you've watched your accounts values go down week after week. You may be wondering what in the world is going on with the market and wondering when all of this will stop. Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. We will help shed some light on all that is happening, as well as give you some useful ideas that you can implement so you don't have to be a victim and can actually take advantage of this downturn. As always, if you're new to the show, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We would also love to earn a five-star rating and have you write a review. Your review can inspire somebody else to become a believer and an active listener. Travis and I are here as always to help you get the most from your money in life. So buckle up. Let's talk about the stock market. Well, welcome back to Ditch the Suit. Steve Campbell here with Travis Moss. Uh, You're in luck. We are starting a new series today, and it's a pertinent one. Uh, When Travis and I begin to think about what are we going to talk about next, we try to mix up the various topics. Uh, We've done a number of um, series on investing, and we thought, given what's happening in the stock market and the worries that investors have, we might want to park a little bit longer talking about the market and what you need to know as an investor because it really will affect your financial planning, right? That's something that we try to make evidently clear is that you should have a financial plan that to get the most from your money in life, you have to be super intentional across all facets of your life. Uh, But investing affects that in a large way because if you're not invested correctly, um, that can really affect the financial plan that you have. And if you're an investor right now, you might be wondering what in the world is going on in the stock market? I'm hearing a lot of news, a lot of chatter. I'm seeing what's happening on my statement and I'm kind of worried, but really how worried should I be? Is this temporary? Is this a long-term thing? Is the world coming to an end? Travis and I are here to help give some context and hopefully some optimism. In each one of these episodes, we're going to paint a picture uh, for how to put what's happening in the market in context. But at the end of every episode, we also want to give you something that you can potentially do as a planning uh, to walk away with, to help you move the ball forward, if you will. So don't skip through the episode. Listen to the whole thing. At the end of each episode, we're going to give you a little nugget that you can put in with whoever you work with or whatever questions you have. But Travis, people have a lot of questions. We want to give people cold, hard truth about what's going on with investments in the stock market. So to the person who's out there that's saying, what in the world is happening right now with the stock market and how worried should I be? What is something that you want to help every listener understand? The stock market is misunderstood from, well, I just put my money in and close my eyes and I'll make money and all investments are the same. And, you know, the, whatever the price is, that's the value. These are all kind of misconceptions. Yep. And I want to help people before they make a mistake, before they do something that is very detrimental to themselves, given what's going on and essentially torpedo their financial planning by making bad or rash investment decisions, we want to help kind of get ahead of that. And I think the the easiest way to do that is uh, to start with, and we'll get into more complicated, you know, more, I guess, sophisticated discussion on this as we go, but to start, just make it really simple and help you understand what the market actually 
is as far as how you can rationalize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to, yeah, yeah, you really have to, and we don't do enough of this in edu- in our education upbringing, but you really have to understand what money is and how money works, right? And so we get very excited when we're looking at our statement in a year like last year where the market was way up and look at all this money I made over the last four or five years or even one year. Oh, oh look, you know, I'm so excited. I'm put more money in. And, you know, you get on TV and they talk about the valuation and all this wealth that it created. And then the market crashes like it has. And now we get very excited the other way and go, look at all this money I lost. And, you know, we get on TV and they talk about the the, the trillions of dollars of value that's been wiped away. And that is such a misconception yeah. of how the market works. Sure, it, it actually leads us to making really bad uh, decisions that are very destructive because it, it, it's all tying into emotion, the fear of, of missing out on gain or the fear of loss. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that money is kind of like water. Sure. It is simply, it is going to find someplace to go. There's a whole bunch of it and it's sloshing around the world and it's got to go someplace. Yep. <laughs> unless there is a wealth destruction event, unless there is in a, like 2008 where banks had actually leveraged and created insurance on things to the point where there wasn't enough money in existence to cover the bets, right? So, so when those unwound, there was a delta that was lost because it just it didn't exist. It, it was a paper thing that they had created. So there can be wealth destruction events, events where money or assets do disappear. Like if you have a house and you don't have uh, homeowners insurance or fire insurance and it burns down, you've had a catastrophic 100% loss. There's no way to recover that. Right. So there are situations where money can disappear. But in general, when you see the stock market, all that's happening is money is going from one place to another. And we also try to think or tend to think about the stock market as the stock market. Well, there's most people when they're thinking about the stock market, at least in the US, are thinking about the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, something like that. But there's there's all kinds of indexes. There's there's the bond markets. There's treasury markets, the corporate bond markets, municipal bond markets, small cap markets, mid cap. You know what I mean? Like like the, the 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 actual stock market as a whole. Think of it as like a bunch of different brands of grocery stores. Where if you want to understand this as a, as an investor, as a as a layperson, you can walk into all these different stores and say, I want to buy small companies, big companies international companies, emerging market companies. And when we're referencing the market, we get, tend to reference all that at one time. Yep. Because of course, you know, you go to the stock market and you buy stocks and stuff. But in reality, you're really talking about different markets. You're talking about or different indexes or, or different subsets of the market. Yep. And money goes between those. So a lot of times what happens when the market goes down, you see, well, money has been pulled from large investments People, you know, the buyers came in and said, I don't want to buy large investments anymore. So there's not enough buyers. So just like with your, what you're seeing with inflation now, there's not enough. There, there's, it starts out because there's too many buyers and not enough good, not enough stock available. So it pushes the price up. Yep. Then it goes the other way. Those same buyers say, well, you know, I don't want to buy that anymore. It's getting too expensive. I'm going to go over here and buy small companies. So then money maybe moves from large companies over to small companies. So the price of large companies comes down a little bit or kind of tapers off from it, its ascension and it switches over and small companies will start going up because they just move where the money is going. 
Um, but it's the same money sloshing around. So think of it as, as the tide and the buyers are the tide. When the buyers come in and they want to buy something, they push the prices up and money is water. So the buyers come in with a whole bunch of water. The tide comes in, here comes the water and everything gets pushed up. Yep. But the tide doesn't just stay up, right? It's think of the world as a giant fishbowl and it's kind of like constantly teetering. The tide comes in and the tide goes out. So the tide came in. Well, the water came from someplace. It didn't just like all of a sudden get manifested and oh, there's water there now, right? If the right. tide's high someplace, it's low someplace. So the water's just moving. So the tide came in, por- forced everything up. There's more buyers than there are sellers. So the prices go up. Yep. If you have a half million dollar house, if that's what it costs to build, it costs a half a million dollars to build. Just because you have two buyers bidding it up to, let's say, 550 that doesn't mean it's worth 550 That means that's what the price is. It means you mm-hmm. can get more than what it's worth for it. And if it goes down to 450 that doesn't mean that's what it's worth. It just means that you're taking less than what it's worth to sell it. Yep. So there's, there's a, 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 a true value to it. We don't look at that, though, when we look at the market. All we look at is the price. And all the media talks about is the price. All the talking heads are talking about the price. All the financial advisors are talking about the price. Very few of them are talking about the value. Very few of them are saying, hey, we can buy a half million dollar house right now for $250,000. You want to do that and we'll flip it when the market recovers? You don't hear that right now. What you hear is, look at all this wealth that's disappeared. Well, no, the prices are just down. So what happened is the tide went up. All last year, the tide was super high. That water just like, it came in and it just... It was like flood level yep. and it's just sitting there. Yep. And then all of a sudden the tide goes out. So not only did the flood dissipate, but then even more tide went, it went back down to low tide level. We're in Tennessee. One of the things that you see in Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee, at least, is they control all the water. They have a very good system of dams. So in the wintertime, they lower the level of the water so that when the rains come in, you don't have flooding. Yep. So you see all these lower, these shallow riverbeds and stuff. And it's like, what's wrong with this? Are we in a drought? No, they're controlling the water. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's no water. It means that the water got displaced for the time being. And then they let it out and the water comes back up and everybody goes boating in the spring and the summer. So the tide left, but where did it go? So normally with these different markets, like we were talking about, it just goes from one market to the other, one store to the next. It goes from stocks to bonds. It goes from large cap to small cap or US to international or someplace like that. In this case, it just didn't really go anywhere. There's there's pretty much almost no major markets that are high, not to the extent that the vast majority of the markets are low. So where did the money go? Well, it's like a fishbowl. So you could slosh some over the edge. And let's say you sloshed it in a way where it was irrecoverable. You can't grab it and put it back in. That's a wealth destruction event. So that's like the house burning down without insurance, right? It's just gone. It's poof. It disappeared. There hasn't been broad wealth destruction, right? Where dollars have disappeared. So where did they go? So what that means is, is probably they're sitting there in cash waiting for the tide to come back in essentially, right? So this, it's kind of like a tsunami. It's pulled way back right now. Yep. And you not only get to see like how low the water normally is, but now you're seeing like all the stuff that's buried in the, in, in the lake, right? All the, if you follow what's going on out West, 
I think Lake Mead, like they're discovering like dead bodies and cars and all kinds of stuff that people have thrown in the water. Not the water level is real low. So you're seeing all this stuff that you're not normally supposed to see because it's normally covered by the tide. Well, and so, so now we're starting to panic. Maybe it's never going to come back. Maybe it's never going to come back. You know, this time's different. We're all going to die of thirst and, and whatnot. The money's got to go someplace. It yeah. literally has to end up someplace. It hasn't, as far as I can tell, I don't know where it's ended up. It hasn't gone to Bitcoin, right? Or cryptos. Those are those have been obliterated. It hasn't really gone to gold. That's barely up. So where did it go? It didn't go to treasuries. Those are down as of this time, like 20%. So where did it go? It's it it the tide went out. It's like a tsunami. There's this big mountain, this big wall essentially of money now that's gotta find some place to go. Those big buyers have to do something with, with that money eventually. Eventually, do they have to do something right now? No. Just like last year, where it came in and sat for a while, it can do the same thing this year. While they're kind of like looking and saying, "What's going to happen next?" Or we're so far from the end of the year, I don't really have to try to make any numbers. I'm not certain I want to be the first one in right now. Or um, I'm going to wait and see what happens with the politics, so that I know whether or not to invest in green or fossil fuels. Who knows what the mix is, but the point is, is that that water sitting there and yep. when it comes back in, it's going to be like a tidal wave coming back in. If you look at almost every, well, really every recovery from a major market correction or a major market dive, it's a pretty quick and severe recovery. And the reason is, is because it's got to go someplace. It literally has to go. If you're, if, if you are a buyer that decided I don't want to buy anymore, so I'm going to take all my money, I'm going to go sit on the sideline. You are now sitting in cash. And what are you making in cash? Just about nothing. Yep. Right? You're making just about nothing in cash. And inflation is record highs. So what happens at the end of the year? You have a loss. Even if your balance doesn't go down, you have a loss because you can't buy as much now. Those companies, the underlying value, it costs more to build them now because everything costs more. So you are losing the difference between inflation and whatever you're making on your cash. So... You have to get that money someplace soon to make interest, whether you buy dividend stocks and make nice dividends on it, whether you go back into the bond market and make bond you know, yields, or whether you go back after growth stocks to get growth. You have to go someplace because you're losing right now. And you can only lose for so long before you say, I got to go back to those things that actually do generate income for me or have a potential to generate growth for me. So this tide, it can only stay out for so long before it has to end up flooding someplace. It's going to yeah. come back and it will flood. And it, the question is, is where, which markets, right? What does it hit? But it's got to come back. So I think if people just think about it like that, it's the ebb and flow essentially of the ocean. If you want, if you want to think about it on a grander scale, buyers come in, force the prices up, prices get too high something spooks the buyers, the buyers run away. But when they run away, they still have their money. They're still sitting there going, what do I do with my money? And if a buyer had lost their money, let's say that you as an investor made a bad decision, you lost a bunch of money on an investment, probably somebody else made a lot of money off of you because that's sure. kind of how that works, right? Because if yep. you, let's say you buy something for $100 from somebody that's only worth 20, that other person bought it for 20, yep. right? This is a lot how cryptos work. Somebody bought a crypto for 20 bucks and they sold it to you for 10,000. If it goes back down to 5,000, you lost 5,000. They made 9,000 
uh, $980. You created wealth for them. You gave you lost wealth on it. Yeah. But the, all it did was it just flowed to somebody else. Dollars flowed from you to that other person. Crypto flowed from them to you. Was it a good deal? Time will tell, right? But all it is is money floating around. It's just a fishbowl. The tide's coming in and out of these different markets. And right now what we're seeing is it's pretty much across most of the markets, you know, the tide's out of. And that's actually from an investor standpoint, this is a good thing. This is like, if you are a, a real investor, so if you're a weekend warrior type of project person and you like to do investing on your own and you're wigged out by what's going on, you're probably not really a real investor. Um, you are somebody who has some fun pushing the buttons and kind of gambling with the money. But if you're a real investor, this is the most exciting time that you can be in. It's stressful, certainly, because like, when's it going to come back and exactly how it's going to come back? Well, my goodness, you're looking at it and it's like your entire neighborhood is selling at somewhere between 40 and 50 cents on the dollar. You could go up and buy any of your neighbor's houses and they will not put up a fight at all. You could buy your whole neighborhood for half of what it's actually worth right now. That's exactly how this market is because there's the, you know, the, the buyers, the tide is out and everybody's kind of hanging out waiting for that tsunami to come back in. Sure. So if you're the first one in, you get dibs, you get dibs on the best deals. If you're the last one in, the prices have already come back up. You're going to be making that mistake of buying things like, you know, if you were buying investments last year, buying things at an overpriced, you know, that we're back up into flood territory. You don't want to yep. buy it then. You want to buy it when it's out and you get the best deals. So um, I hope that helps. I hope that kind of con yep. conceptually paints a picture. <clears throat> well, I think the context is really helpful, but we don't want to uh, be insensitive to the fact that people are very concerned. Right. And I think whether it's the ocean tide or just the housing picture that you painted, that's super easy for people to understand. Maybe in the last two years, you've lived in your house for 10, 20 years, and you or your spouse has, you know, nudged each other and said, Hey, have you have you seen what our house is worth on Zillow, supposedly? And all of a sudden it's up a hundred grand, 150,000. You haven't done anything different. It's because there are people buying comparable houses, which is potentially driving the value or what people assume to be what they'll pay for higher. But if you didn't sell your house within that two years, you didn't actually get what you could have. You just sat on it. Same time, if now the interest rates are higher and inflation's going up, Zillow has knocked your house down lower than what you thought it was. If you don't sell, you're not recognizing that loss. You haven't done anything. So I think when you're looking at your investments, unless you have totally cashed out of everything right now, you're sitting there looking at your investments. And there's a lot of financial literacy involved you know, with when it comes to investing, that people, you know, if you're looking for some great resources, I would encourage all of you to go back and listen to episodes 28, 29, and 30. We did a three-part series on investing to, you know, on investments to help people really understand how diversified are you. And if anything, this time has done, it has made people maybe think about maybe I don't really have a good handle on my investments. And that's not a bad thing. Right. If this is what creates the impetus for you to be more intentional about what you're investing in, I think what you have gotten to is it's really important. And this is things we've done in videos and in talks over the years to help people understand that the stock market is at the end of the day, a market. There are buyers and there's sellers. The market does not have a mind of its own and just do things. When the market begins to really have a decline, that means that people are fleeing from investments or selling out of investments, which is driving everyone else's values down, but there was buyers on the other end. So to your point, 
I think right now what's really important is for people to have context and give them some hope that the water's got to come back in at some point. You just want to know where's it going to come in so you can take advantage of it. So as we begin to think about, we're not here to create doomsday preppers and get people to be scared, but to give you some hope and optimism that this is a great time to be an investor, even though you may be looking at your statement and going, I beg to differ. Maybe that's just because you don't have an actionable game plan of what you could be doing to create real wealth. So as we said, at the end of every one of these episodes, we want to give you just something that you might be able to go do, think about you know, a little tip or a strategy to put into work during this time. So Travis, as we think about this first episode, what's one thing that as an investor people can do to maybe take advantage of what's going on in the market right now? Well, first, I want to—I just want to touch on two things. Number one, sure. we are going to talk about doomsday in two episodes. Doomsday. So we will actually get there. So for those of you that are really, really worried about the end of time. Buying toilet paper and soup. The stock in the cabinet. Grow, we're we're going to get into that. Yep. The the other thing is, and you 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 had a slight slip up there with the vernacular price and value. This shows you how hard it is. So we talk about sure. price and value all the time. I, and Steve, I think you said the value. You know, people fleeing the market, driving the value down. That's the price. So right. any anytime you see a number on paper mm-hmm. at the store, you're seeing the price. Sure. Right. Um, the value often is not advertised. Um, what does it take to actually build a pickup truck versus what does the pickup truck sell for? Right. There's two different things there. And yes, value can be influenced by supply and demand from a standpoint of this makes your, 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 I not really supply and demand. That's more price, but this makes your life a lot better because it does X, Y, Z. Therefore it's more valuable. So there can be value created intrinsically by what the item is doing for you. Sure. But that's even harder to measure. So so you start with what does it cost to create this thing? And then the second thing might be, and what additional what additional return do I get from this just by having it? Right. Yeah. And that might go into the to the value itself. So we need to be very, very careful, even even those that are are even aware of it, it's still very hard because the term, you know, it's kind of like a societal thing where we're using we're using words to explain things that the words, the definition of the words don't actually represent, you know? Yeah. So, so value is what it costs me to create it and, and maybe some, you know, intrinsic value that it might possess prices, whatever the going rate is that yeah. people are willing to pay for it. That's great um, clarification. Yep. Yeah. And I think you, for everybody, you know, an extra nugget here today, um, before we get into something that we could be or should be doing um, there's a really good book called The Story of Silver by William Silber, S-I-L-B-E-R. So William Silber, who wrote The Story of Silver. But it helps you understand, I think, markets in general, because it focuses on one asset that has been both treated as a currency and as a commodity. It's traded in the markets right now as a store of value, right? Like there's it really helps put a lot in perspective when you're seeing the market volatility, what you're actually seeing. A lot of it is just policy and uh, you know timing and very wealthy players moving money around, yep. essentially. Yep. And you're just kind of caught in the snowstorm sometimes. And sometimes the best thing to do when you're in a blizzard is to just hunker down and wait it out. That's kind of like, you know, a real, another really good analogy for this, but that's a really good book. I would encourage people to go check out. It's great. Um, so what can you be doing? There's, there's a 
uh, a saying out there say that a lot of people use, I hear it all the time, is I don't want to throw good money after bad. And that's just simply a fallacy that wherever you heard that, you shake your finger at whoever told you that and you tell them, no, that has nothing to do with the market. That might have to do with, let's say you buy a fixer upper car or something and it's really shy and you're just pouring money into it and it will never be, the price will never be equal to the, to the amount of money you put into fixing it. Right. Yeah. So it, it, the value may always be higher than what somebody will pay you for it. That's the reality of it. So that's good money after bad. In the stock market, good money after bad, when the mark, when that tides in and it's flooding and it's 10 feet too high, that's good money that's going after a bad situation, essentially, because we know it's going to go down. We know there's going to be a correction. So when you put money in in that situation, that is the absolute worst thing you could do. So that was last year for, yep. for a kind of across the board for most people. That was most of last year. So good money after bad in this environment, if I put my good money, money that hasn't lost any money into the stock market, that's down. And uh, let's say it's down 20%, but the stocks on average are down somewhere, you know, maybe there's good companies out there down between 30 and 50%. So you're telling me that you would rather pay 120% of what your neighbor's house is worth for their property because you're good neighbors, or you'd rather pay 50% of what it's worth because people are just being irrational because they right. don't understand how the rules work here. Yep. Right. They haven't listened to this podcast. They don't understand. This is just ebbs and flows. So they're going to sell it to you for 50% on the dollar, hmm. right? Or 50 cents on the dollar. So you're telling me you want to do that. You're going to wait till it goes to, till they have a, a reckoning and they come back and say, you know what? I was being crazy. I'll sell it to you for 110 or 120% now of what it's actually worth. Because that's what, throwing good money after bad means. I don't want the deal. I'd rather take it when I have to pay a premium. When prices are down, especially when they hit an irrational level, when when the price is extremely below the value, right? When, When people are not even paying what it would cost to rebuild it, it is a really good time to go in there and be, this is what Warren Buffett does. You want to know how Warren Buffett made all his money? He, he sits on cash. He waits till the market is, you know, all messed up. And he goes in and he says, I got cash. I'll, you know, I'll pay you a premium, a premium on the discount. <laughs> so, so it's already 50% off. So he's like, I give you, you know, 45% off for the price. You know what I mean? He'll, I'll give you an extra 5%, still getting a 45% off. And then it recovers. And he's like, what a brilliant investor. No. Well, I guess if, if brilliance is prudency and, and patience, yep, he's absolutely 100% brilliant. The other part of it is he's just smart. He understands how it works. So he's going in and cutting deals when the, when, when, when the prices are the most vulnerable, when the sellers can't, there's not enough buyers, right? So it's the buyer's market, not the seller's market. It's the seller's market when the tide's in. It's the buyer's market when the tide's out. Right. So he comes in when the tides out, all the other buyers have disappeared. And he's like, I got a bunch of money. Let's make some deals. Yep. So be Warren Buffett then. Do what he does. When the tide goes out, you show up with your money and like, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's when you be greedy. That's when you buy investments. When all your friends are saying the end is coming, the market's crashed, it's never going to recover. Look at all the money I lost. You go, yeah, that's because I'm buying your stocks from you right now. Well, here's a little hot take for you. I would assume the majority of our listeners probably would be honest and say, that's because I don't have a plan. 
maybe I've had cash on the sideline for a long time and I've talked about putting it to work. When is that going to happen? So if you don't tie it back to financial planning and investing, what's the purpose of what we're trying to do? If this is the best time to buy more investments, then then that's what people should be thinking about. But I would assume that most people are scared or fear steps in and they don't do anything. So when the market does recover, they miss those opportunities. So we would challenge you to have an actual plan to what you're doing with your money, with your cash, how you're going to put it to work, being intentional. And we're not talking about just taking whatever you've had on the sideline and throwing it into the market as a whole right now, but be very intentional about what you're buying. And again, if you're not sure what that means, go back and listen to those three episodes, episodes 28, 29, and 30. We gave you some really good ideas. So I think this uh, talking point here at the end, the good money after bad, this is a great time to be an investor. Uh, we want to give you a little bit of optimism and hope. We have two more episodes in this series that I think are going to add even more context, uh, shed some light on what's going on. So you're here because you want education. Uh, Travis and I are here to talk to you about the things that we talk about with uh, people every single day to give them hope, to inspire them. Because again, our goal in this show is to help you get the most from your money in life. So if this episode has made an impact and you this is your first one, please subscribe, download so you never miss an episode. And again, if this is valuable information, uh, leave a five-star review, um, five-star rating, leave a review, because again, you're helping us grow in popularity in this podcast. And that's what our hope is to inspire people to take more action with their money in life. So thanks for being our guest. Thanks for stopping by. Stay tuned. We got two more episodes left. Well, thanks for listening. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this entire episode. Uh, we hope that this information has inspired you and empowered you to go out and live your best life. But let's be honest, you might have a question or two about some of the things we talked about today. If this is you, Travis and I are here to help in any way that we can. You can reach out to us and follow us on social media on Facebook at CPG. You can send us an email, uh, info at seedpg.com. Just let us know in the email. This is in regards to Ditch the Suits, a question or topic you might want us to cover. Or you can visit our website, which is seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. Head up to that right corner, fill out that contact us button, and just let us know in the comments that this is in regards to Ditch the Suits. If you have a question, a series of questions, or anything we can do to help you on your journey to financial freedom, Travis and I are here to help. So again, it's your money and it's your life. You only get one shot at this thing. Our job is to make sure you get the most out of it. Thanks for being our guest. And until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.